Well, good morning, Identity Church. You know, one of the things that I that I wanted to to bring to you guys this morning is the Lord's been dealing with me about strife and contention. For weeks and weeks and weeks, I have been, it's like every time I talk to somebody, they have a strife and contention thing. And I was like, man, it's like I talk to more people about strife and contention. You know, one of the things that that the Lord brought back to my remembrance through Facebook is when I was co-pastoring at um, Life of Faith North, which is up in Warrior, back years ago, there was Alicia Wester was one of the attendees there. And I had, I had shared this thing out on Facebook about strife and contention. And so she reshared it this past week. And I was like, you know what, Holy Spirit, you're just continuing to just bring this about. So I'm just going to teach on contention and strife and how that's a, that's a bad thing for us, right? So I named this contention and strife are none of your business. How many people know that if you owned a business, let's just say you owned a, a concrete business, you were pouring concrete floors, you were, you were making uh, concrete structures, and I came to you and I said, let's build some wood decks. You probably would say, that's none of my business. Go find, a, go find somebody who can build decks. Go find somebody who does woodwork, right? Well, that's the same thing that I want you to understand about strife and contention. Strife and contention is nothing that you have any business doing. In fact, I'm going to start us out in James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? That's a pretty good question. You know, you may go and find a lot of people go, I'm pretty wise. I'm pretty good. You know that we're going to get, we're going to get an understanding of what wisdom truly is in the word of God. And is let him show, show out of good conversation his works. Now, this word works is ergonomic. It's where we get ergonomics. How many people have seen like, you know, ergonomic desk and, and, you know, mouse and all these other things? Well, ergonomics is just, a, is just the word for work. It means that it is something that you work at. And so in this particular situation, it means business or employment. It's what you do. How many people has jobs, right? I hope everybody's got a job. Do you know, or you're retired and you're making money off of an old job. That's the best kind of job to have is the one that you no longer work and they still pay you. But the thing that, the thing that I want you to understand is that this is your business. You know, I do cybersecurity for a living. Believe me, with this amount of people, I wouldn't be able to make a paycheck, you know, so I have to work. but So I do cybersecurity. And by the way, hold on one second. We'll hear it. The train is coming. Hallelujah. It's the glory train. Amen. It's right on time to, you know, get us through. So what I, want, what I wanted to show you here is that a good conversation is your business. It's what makes you wise. You know, if you have bad conversations, it's going to look a little bit like what we're going to see here in just a second. 
In verse 14 it says, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. For for every wherever envy I'm sorry, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. This word work here is the word pragma. It's like pragmatic. It's where we get things like pragmatism. And see, these particular areas is where we have pragmatism. It means to it means that we have a business transaction. It's conducting something. So this is not your business specifically. This would be more along the lines of I have to do something because of my business, but it's not my business. How many people know that paying taxes is not a part of your business, right? That would just be a transaction. That's something that I have to do that I'm probably not good at. You know, if you go to any of these businesses out here, if they're smart, they go find people who are good at doing taxes, that are good at doing, you know, uh, accounting because if, if, let's say you do concrete work, you probably didn't go get a finance degree. And it takes a finance degree to probably get through taxes and everything else that's out there. So one of the things that we have to understand is that envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. That means every transaction that we do that is in strife and in envy, guess what happens? It's an evil work. Just like paying taxes. Anyway, in verse 17 it says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to uh, entreat, full of mercy and goodness, and full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. You know, hypocrisy, we see a lot of that. We see hypocrisy in church. We see hypocrisy in the world. We see it in politics especially, right? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, a lot of times I will, I, I really ask the Lord, what do I need to teach? What do I need to preach? Because I don't want to preach what is going on in society. Now, it's not bad to say, hey, that stuff in society that's happening is wrong and we need to, we need to figure it out. And we need to, to stand against certain things. But that should not be the message to believers. How many people's a believer in here? Anybody? Well, see, this is the deal. If you are a believer, if you have accepted Jesus, well, the church is a training ground. The church is not for the world. The world may come in and they may get saved and that's good. But do you know that that in every single circumstance that happens in church, it's supposed to raise people up so that they can go out and minister. Man, everybody just looked at me like, what? No, the church is designed. In 2 in, in Corinthians, we see it. The church was designed in order for us to, in order for us to train people up so that they could go preach the gospel. Do you know that the world's not going to come in here? You know, most of the time, you're not going to have the world just come in here. 
what you're going to have is you're going to have believers come in here and they're going to go out into their world and they're going to teach and preach the gospel. You know, I can't be with everybody in the world. I can't be in everybody in your world. There are people that you're going to touch that I'm not going to be able to. And see, that's why church is here, is to give us the ability for us to to learn and to go preach and teach others. You know, that's where the multiplication comes from. And see, it says here in verse 18, it says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Man, that's a great statement right there. You know that if you make peace, there's going to be peace. How many people know that we need peace? How many people need some peace? Anybody need peace? You know that that peace is something that I think the world is striving for. I think Christians are striving for it. We can't find it at home. We can't find it at work. We can't find it anywhere. And I want to make sure that you can come here and you can find peace. What's your business? Good conversation, building people up and speaking the word. You know, that's a, that's a really good, that's a dividing line to me. Is that if you want to have, if you want to know what wisdom is, is let's build people up. Let's not tear them down. What, uh, what business do you have with envy and strife? The answer is none. If envy and strife is what you live in constantly, then I want, you to, I want you to think about this as we're going through it because you need to be able to find a place to get away from envy and strife. All right, be what God has called you to be even if it's not popular. You know, in envy and strife and in contention and in the things that God has called you to do, sometimes you've got you've to make some concessions. You've got to say, I'm not going to believe what the world says. I'm going to believe what God has said about me. You know, God has said that you're loved. How many people know that you're loved? You know, you're loved. You're loved. God loves you so much, He sent His only Son. I wouldn't do it. That's, I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to stand up here and go, Yes, brother, I would do it for you. No, I wouldn't. I would not give you one iota of my family. I'd say, y'all going to burn. But you know what? God said, God made the decision with Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, he said that the seed of the woman. Well, women don't have seed. No, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and created Jesus. And Jesus went and he took the heel and he bruised the serpent's head. Do you know that God made, made Jesus a promise from Adam and Eve? It wasn't something that came later. He loved you so much. He saw you and he wanted, he wanted to have um, Jesus here for you. It says here in Matthew chapter 11 verse 2 and it says, When John had heard in prison, uh-oh, John's in prison, John the Baptist, And he had heard in prison about the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples and he said to them, are you, are you the coming one? Do you, or do we look for another? You know what? If I was in prison and I thought to myself, man, I'd like to be out of prison. 
And Jesus is out here doing all these miracles. Why couldn't Jesus just come over here and do a miracle to get me out of prison? I bet that's a little bit of what John was, was asking here. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go tell John the things in which you heard and seen. The blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel of preached to them. So in that hour, in that amount of time, Jesus did all these things. He sent the, his disciples. Jesus said, hey, you know what? Hang out here. You're going to see all these things happen and go back and tell John and see if I'm the one that's supposed to come. And it says in verse six here, it says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. This word is scandalon. It's where we get like scandal. How many people have seen a scandal? You know, we turn on the news and everything's a scandal. Oh, who slept with who and who's taking drugs and, and who, who took money and who did this and who did that. Do you know that Jesus was saying that there are people that are offended at him because they see that he is scandalous. It was scandalous what he was doing. He was going against all the teaching of the day. You know, John the Baptist was physically in jail and he was also mentally in jail. Do you know that the world is mentally in jail? We have people in the world that they can see nothing but their own circumstances. This is the way that they live. They live by, I'll never get enough. I'll never be enough. I'll never have enough. I'll never have anyone. And you know what? John was in that same mental jail. He was saying, I baptized what I thought was the Messiah. He's out here doing all this stuff. And he's supposed to be getting me out of jail. He's supposed to be taking over. And we know this because of a bunch of scriptures, but I'm going to use this scripture as, as an example. Because John did not know what dispensation Jesus was in. Psalms 2 verse 1, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain things? The king of the earth set themselves uh, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against the anointed saying, Let us break their bonds into pieces and cast away the cords from us. He who sits in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Means he's going to mock them. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. So this is basically saying that God's going to send a conqueror. Somebody who's going to take the nations and is going to basically make a mockery of them. You know what? John read all these scriptures in the Old Testament because Psalms is in the Old Testament. And he goes, I'm looking for the king. I'm looking for the guy that's going to come and beat up all the Romans. That's going to beat up all the, the people who are persecuting uh, inside the temple. I want, I, want, I want the king to come back. The one with the, the iron rod. But see, he didn't know what dispensation Jesus was going to be in. See, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he came in order to give us something. It was called the Holy Spirit. He came to give us 
salvation so that we can have the kingdom on earth. You know, one of the, one of the problems we have is that everybody thinks that heaven's the last place we're going to. Well, I don't know. I read in Revelations where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to still be here. I know a lot of people went, wow, I don't, I don't want to hear that, Dusty. But it's true. See, what, what you need to understand is that God is trying to get us to a place to where we love Him, we love our brother, we love ourselves so that we can love our brother. How many people love themselves? You know what? That's a, that, a, couple, a couple of years ago, I would have told you no. I didn't love myself. And I loved people exactly that way. You know, I was hard. I used to go, people would tell me something and I had the word about something and I'd be like, you know, hey, I was the hypocrite. I was the guy that was sitting there going, well, the word says. And I didn't listen to people. Well, you know what happened? The love of God came in and it completely revolutionized my thinking. It changed me. It made me to where I could start going, there is hope for people. You know, I walked around going, there's no hope for people. There's no hope for me. I got saved every single night. You know why? Because, you know, 1 John chapter 1 would say that I have to confess every sin. What if I forgot one of them? Oh, my gosh. But then I started reading, you know, other books where it says that, that, his, that his blood covered all of our sins. It meant once and for all. So all I had to do is believe in Jesus and that he would save me. Well, you know what? I walked around as a Christian that was beating myself. I was already saved. The Holy Spirit, God himself, Jesus is all sitting there going, Hey, dummy, it's already happened. That was supposed to have gotten a laugh. It was supposed to have been a little bit more lighthearted, okay? But what I was trying to make you understand is that Jesus himself is saying, I'm not going back to the cross for you. I did it once. All you have to do is believe. See, this is the problem that we have is that we don't understand which dispensation we're in. We're like John. We've got this, this jail cell going in our head. And what happens about this is that when we start seeing this jail cell, we can't get past our circumstance. Oh, well, I can't pay my bills. I can't, you know, my job is awful. The people I'm around are awful. All this different stuff. And guess what? If that's all you see, that's all you're going to have. You know, what, what the Lord started showing me was that I need to see past my problem. You know, and I, I may teach this in a couple of weeks, but... I teach on prayer. Prayer is one of my things because the word prayer is prosudomai. It's two words. It means to, it, it's well wishing. And you go, well, should I wish? Well, not like, you know, wishing upon a star that, you know, something great happens to me. But a wish is like a near wish. It means that I, I see something. How many people know, like Matt is, is gone today, right? So Amy thinks about Matt. She's probably back there just swooning over Matt. Just, oh, I just, I'm just thinking about Matt so much. Well, you know that, that a near wish 
is nothing more than her going, I see Matt. I long for him to come back to me. See, prayer is nothing more than I see the way God sees. I'm talking to God the way God talks. I found scripture that that helped me to build a promise. See, a, a bad prayer is God, it's really bad out here. My job's bad. The people I'm around are bad. That's a bad prayer. That's bad. But you know, a good prayer is help. I want to be beyond where I'm at. I want to see, oh, I see myself walking with good people. I see myself doing good things. I see myself in a good job. I see myself in a good place. Lord, you're your word says in 1 Peter 2.21 that by his stripes we were healed. In, in Philippians 4.19 it says that, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Well, that's way beyond my riches. My riches are finite. His riches are the universe. Do you know that in every circumstance... I'm trying to find a scripture so I can pray it. I'm trying to understand where I'm supposed to be. I asked the Lord. This is a great prayer, by the way. Lord, where do you want me to be? What do you want me to see, Lord? Help me to see beyond myself. Because right now I can only see what I can see. But when I pray and I ask God, show me where I'm supposed to be, I see beyond. I see on the other side of where I'm at. See, some of you only see here. And God's saying, I want you to see out here because I've got so many more plans for you. I've got so much more for you. So John the Baptist was having an issue. He thought that Jesus was coming and he was going to be the warring king. In fact, in verse 7, it says, uh, I will decree, I'll declare a decree, the Lord says to me, You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the end of the earth for your possession. I want you to understand is that there was a part of it that was Jesus was going to come back. But the, the author talked about first coming back and conquering. But this last scripture right here was Jesus was going to possess all the nations. You know what he did? He died for us so we could live in him. And so that he himself would be the nation of God on the inside of us. See, when you accept Jesus, you become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You actually change. It was like Dusty, when he got, when he got saved, I had the old dead Dusty on the inside of me. I had the sin nature. I had everything. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came in and he made me into a new creature. See, this, this last verse right here tells you what Jesus was going to do. He was going to make and possess all the nations. Well, you don't come and do that with the rod. You come and do that with love. Because he wanted to have them as a possession. John believed the Messiah was coming to break the physical bonds. See, that was the only little problem John had. See, everybody wants Jesus to come back and fix their physical problems. But do you know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are trying to fix what you see so that you will never, ever, ever go back into it? Because 
If I came and I gave you a million bucks that I don't have, it'd kill most people. <clears throat> it would kill most people. You know why? Because fixing your physical aspects do nothing for you. But your mental, if I can get you to see the way Jesus sees, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to live that way. And because you live that way, man, there's nothing that can take it away from you. See, this is the truth in love is that Jesus is not trying to come and fix your physical only. He's trying to fix your mental so that your physical lines up and starts happening. See, if we get this idealism that I'm looking for Jesus to just fix me physically, well, then you're going to have a problem because Jesus wants to live in you. He wants to live through you and he wants you to live like him. Where there's strife, there's evil work, but contention is the building blocks for strife. This was the scripture that I sent out on Facebook a few years ago and that Alicia Wester sent out the other day. And it's, it was just one of those things where the Holy Spirit hit me and said, this is something I want you to put on Facebook. Proverbs eighteen nineteen: A brother offended is harder to, to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. You know, contention is like a prison. How many people have been in contention with people? Hands should go up everywhere. Because contention is something that happens all the time. I have contention with people that I didn't even know. I don't even know how we even had contention. You know, you can be riding down the road and have contention, but you can also live with somebody and have contention. Contention is like a prison. It is like a strong castle that protects you from people. You may go, well, it doesn't protect me. Yeah, if you live in contention, what it does is it forces the other person away from you. It starts putting a boundary to where you can't love. How many people know that it's hard to love someone when you're in contention with them? You know, if I was in contention with my wife, Heather, and she's, she's back in the back with the baby, but if I, was, if I was in contention with her, then I would... I, I wouldn't even want to be around her. I'd be like, oh, I, I just can I find a way to be away from her? Well, you know, the thing is, we've set up things in our lives to where it's like, hey, if we have contention, we're going to fix it before we go to bed. That's one of the rules in our house. We're going to fix it. You know, Caleb will probably attest to this. If there's a problem, I'm going to come and I'm going to ask him some pretty pointed questions. He may be going, Dad, I don't want to talk about that. I don't care what you want to talk about. You're going to talk about it anyway. It's going to happen. And we're going to get it out. Kaylee knows. Kaylee really knows. <clears throat> but what we have to understand is that this is a way that it mentally blocks everybody out. It means I can't love that person. Eventually, there's a wedge that is driven so big and so wide that you can never get past your circumstance with them. And guess what? Your mountain become, your molehill becomes a mountain. Well, eventually, the gap is too wide for you to be able to bridge it. And the contention and strife is where it started. The key is not to become offended. 
And if you're not offended, then you'll be free. Wow, how you like that? I just fixed it. See, I just fixed it. Everybody just don't become offended. How about that? How, everybody now, we're not going to become offended, right? Dusty told me, don't become offended. I'm not going to become offended. Well, guess what? It's not as easy as that. But it is truth. Do you know that there are times where there will be an offensive word or an offensive thing that will happen? It will be scandalous. And you know what? I choose not to get upset about it. I choose to get to the bottom of it. I choose to go and find out why it happened. You know, I've known people, I'm not going to name names, but you can, you, you don't even have to try to have contention with them. You can say something just a little bit sideways, not even sideways. You, you were just talking to them and they blow it up. And you're like, what just happened? I'm not even sure I understood. You know that I just mark those people and go, okay, I'm not going to become offended at their action. I'm going to go, huh, okay, that, that, you know, Andrew Womack says that, you know, something, if something gets your eye up, you know, it's like petting a cat and his, and his fur gets up. You know, when you're petting it, he said, well, turn it around and pet it the other way and now it'll all be straight. Well, that's exactly what you have to do in offense is you have to go, okay, I'm not going to be offended by this. I'm going to find out. Say, I'm not going to be offended. I'm going to find out. This is one of the ways that we do it. And we're going to see as I'm closing here, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you exactly how the Bible shows us how to do this. In fact, I've got a couple of I got a couple of these that I could do, but I decided to pick the one with Paul and Barnabas because that one right there shows me that there's a good outcome for those who don't stay in offense. In Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it says, Then after some days, Paul and Barnabas, you know, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. And he said, you know, let's go do this. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with them, the one who departed from them in uh, Pamphylia. Now, you got to understand, John Mark at this point was like 16, 17 years old. How many people know that 16 and 17 year old people don't make good decisions? Right? You make a whole lot better decisions when I'm sitting there going, don't do that. But see, what I want you to understand is, is that Paul had no room for this 16, 17 year old that said, I want to go home to mama. I'm tired. How many people's gotten homesick before? You know, I, I want to go home. I, I want well, guess what? John Mark, he was homesick. He wanted to leave because it was hard. You go into a, a city and you start preaching the gospel and all of a sudden they want to kill you. 
How many 16-year-olds want to sign up for that? That's a great mission trip, right? Most of the mission trips now, we sign up these young people and they go, let's go build a village, you know? Well, this was, hey, we're going to go and they're going to have pitchforks and knives and they're going to kill us. You ready to go? Most people wouldn't sign up for it, even the adults. But this is what happened to John Mark and Barnabas knew it. Barnabas was like, eh, you got to understand he was a kid. In verse 38, it says, and Paul insisted they should not take him, uh, take him. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to go to verse 39. The contention was so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed and uh, beginning uh, by recommendation by the brethren to the grace of God. So Silas was somebody that was sitting over here to be like somebody that sidelined and he said, hey, I really need a partner. We're going into really bad places. It's good to have somebody with you that can help you. Well, all the brethren said, hey, Silas would be a good one. Well, you know, Barnabas took John Mark and said, hey, we're going to go to Cyprus. And it says here uh, in verse 31, and they went through Syria and uh, Cilia and, and strengthened the churches. So what they did was when they had contention, they broke up. They said, hey, I, I think this is what God's telling me. And the other one said, I think this is what God's telling me. And besides us fighting and losing our friendship... We're going to go and we're going to go two different ways. You know, it's probably a good idea anyway. They got to hit all the churches. And they had double the teams going out and doing it. You know, one of the things that I think is really important for us to understand is that when we walk away from contention, God can build back relationships later. In fact, we have to understand that Barnabas was helping the disciple uh, Mark and Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. You know, you don't just write a gospel if you didn't learn something. You didn't just write a gospel if you didn't decide to give your life over for something. See, Paul was willing to throw it away and Barnabas said, no, I'm going to disciple it. I'm going to make it better. And Mark became something. So they all strengthen the churches. You know, when we do what we're called to do, we produce fruit. You know, everybody has the ability to produce fruit in their life. Every single body. There's nobody sitting around. I'm looking out here. I see fruit trees. You guys can go out. You will be able to touch people's hearts that I won't be able to touch. See, this is the problem, is that a lot of times we never pick the fruit. It'll grow, but we never pick it. You know, I also believe that there was a bonding that happened too. Because Paul, at the very end of his life, told Timothy, in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Only Luke is with me. So Luke wrote one of the Gospels, was with Paul. And he said, but get Mark. This is the same John Mark. And bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Wow. God restored 
a friendship. God restored somebody and made them useful to the person that said they were unuseful. That they were condemned. How many people felt condemned? Well, if you feel condemned, then guess what? Then God himself can revive you. Amen? Amen. Every head bowed and eye closed. If you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I don't know... I don't know this peace. I don't know anything but contention and strife. But I want to know Jesus. I want for my, I want for my life to, to be something different. I want to see me the way Jesus sees me. Well, the only way for that to happen is for you to love yourself. And the only way to love yourself with the God kind of love is to have God love on you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ with every eye closed and you want to accept Him today, please just raise your hand. Amen. Everybody's accepted Jesus. Do you know that one of the things that I, I would that I would want if you if you're still questioning, I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'm going to pray us out. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I pray, dear Lord, that every person that was listening to this, I thank you, dear Lord, that we can all take from this that strife and contention, that those evil works, those evil transactions that we do with each other, that, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that before we do those, that Holy Spirit, you just you just give us that that unction, that that yearning to not do that, to to decide to not be offended, to say, Lord, I'm going to give that to you, and I'm not going to allow offense to be what drives me to the next thing, but I'm going to allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to just fill my heart and to pray for that person. And I just pray right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, show each and every person in here how to have non-contentious conversations. To show them how to walk away. To show them how to be like Jesus when He was, when he was sitting in, in the Sanhedrin and all of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes were all around Him and they were beating Him. And He didn't say a word. Because he was the son of God and he gave us an example that we need to understand that Jesus is on the inside of us and we can be quiet and not add to the strife and to the contention. And Father, I pray over each and every person as we go out this week, I pray, dear Lord, you put people across their path that they can minister peace and love to and Father, I pray over this food that we're about to receive, may it nourish our bodies. We ask you to sanctify it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need prayer for anything, I'll be up here at the front. You're dismissed. Go enjoy the food.